The Anchored City Podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. Between the Seasons episode of the Anchored City Podcast. This podcast is connecting with Anchorage's soul through her histories, stories, and people. I'm your host, Joel Kiegenfeld. Summertime means music. Outdoor concerts and festivals fill the season. On this episode, I'm talking to two Anchorage musicians that you might see at a show this summer. Andy Ball is a longtime fixture in the local music scene and is currently playing guitar in the band Rival Dads. Hollis Bryant is a newcomer to the local music community and is playing solo and in a number of bands. Both artists have recently opened for national acts that have toured through the city. Here are my conversations with Andy Ball and Hollis Bryant. I hope you enjoyed this summer music special. And there are deserts that I have yet to cross And I have dreamed of faraway places where imagination just gets lost And I would search the wide world over For one proverb that is true But of all the roads I'll ever walk I just, I can't have you My name is Andy Ball. Um, I've lived in Anchorage since 1999. I moved here in March of that year and uh, that date sticks out to me pretty well because um, Columbine happened in April of 1999 and I moved here from Denver so uh, I was in high school at the time and um, knew a couple of the kids from Columbine. I don't know why I decided to go dark from the get-go. I didn't mean to but uh Actually, it's kind of funny because that explains a bit of my musical journey. So I had a guitar when I lived in Denver, um, super mad at my parents for moving me to Alaska away from everything I knew. So Columbine happened. Um, I saw some kids write their own song and perform it at one of the funerals uh, for the Columbine students. And... I had like a light bulb moment that I have this guitar that I haven't really been using and maybe that's something I could do to kill time up here and or let some emotions out. So that's how I really got into uh, guitar. So I've been here since 99 um, around the music scene about just as long um, in my late 30s now. Uh, I'm a dad of three uh, teenagers 
and a recovering radio DJ, I say, uh, no longer in that world. So I, uh, I am me. Well, maybe we'll start with where you're at and we can go back into your, your musical journey a little bit in a few minutes, but sure. um, tell us a little bit about your current project, which ties to being a dad of three. So could you tell us a little bit about Rival Dads? Yeah, yeah. So Rival Dads is a band that was born during the pandemic, really. Um, we started talking, I want to say February, maybe, of 2020. So... I do uh, administer a Facebook group called Music Punks, and it's almost 900 musicians and promoters um, from around Alaska. And there was a guy in there that I'd never heard of um, named Mikey Kerr, and he posted a couple times about looking for band members to do pop punk, which was like my thing. I loved it. That's my other bands prior to this. And I hit him up and we just exchanged some videos and he was like, oh, yeah, you'll work, I guess. And I was like, oh, well, you're pretty good yourself. And um, then he brought in a drummer that he found that I already knew uh, very well because it's a small music scene here in, in Alaska. So we jammed a couple times early pandemic and we did that whole like i'm not vaxxed yet because there was no vax we we're like are we comfortable standing far apart in a room and just playing through some stuff and and having fun and we decided we were um you know it took a, a little bit i think of uh negotiating on our parts to uh, agree to be in a band together um the the initial trio of us just because of the drummer and myself knowing each other. I think we were both surprised. Like we told Mikey at one point, are you sure Dustin's uh, comfortable playing with me? And he, he was like, I'll check. And then I think the same thing happened the other way. Dustin was like, are you sure Andy's comfortable playing with me? Because uh, we had all butted heads over the years, you know, internet wise and stuff. So, and in real life. So um, I didn't know it at the time, but I think, that kind of became the impetus of naming us rival dads like a year and a half later when we eventually needed a name we brought in uh enzo who i don't know if you know him joe but he's just a phenomenal guitarist uh, plays in the, the metal band decepticide and enzo's name came up as far as bass goes because we needed a bass player and uh it was the same thing again. It was like, oh my God, I know Enzo. He knows me. There's no way he's going to say yes to this band. And then uh, we had one practice and I think Enzo was impressed by our singer's vocal abilities. And he was like, man, this guy's pretty good. And uh, it was another one of those, all right, we could put our differences aside and, and we'll play in this band, even though, you know, if we tell people we're in a band together, they're going to think we're lying. Like that's how much we didn't get along before this. Um, so Enzo came on board. Oof. It was a, about April of 2021. So a little over a year ago. Um, and then we didn't get our butts in gear until after we saw the Foo Fighters live and we were just blown away and inspired and like, man, we, we gotta get these songs together and get 
on a stage. Um, and so that's what really made us decide, okay, let's think of a name and let's book some gigs. So that's where we got to, to where we are. So where, where, since then, I know you've been gigging and playing, where have you guys been playing? What's that looked like? I know you just recently opened for taking back Sunday. So, um, those type yeah. of things, how's that gone since you've decided to get your act together and get on stage? Yeah, no, good, good question. It's kind of a blur, but, um, we, I think because Dustin, Enzo, and I have all been in the music scene for as long as we have in our other projects that kind of saw their own degree of success, I think some of the things we've walked into have been easy. Um, I think we're a bit of an example of like a band that's greater than the sum of their parts. Like we each bring a different element to the table. <laughs> and it's kind of like, there's a dad for everybody here, you know? Uh, there's the, hey, did you did you guys get enough to eat? And, uh, you know, don't drink and drive, dad, that's me. And then there's other dads with their personalities. Um, but we started playing at uh, Willamaw. That was our first gig, um, the end of January this year. And it, if you know Willowide, it's not a place that's easy to get into. They're pretty booked schedule-wise. And then I think they have a good sense of responsibility of, um, like audible responsibility, like what are we going to let on our stage? Um, so we had some recorded demos that we gave um, Susan, the, the manager there, and we were happily surprised. She was like, yeah, let's have you in here. Um, so we started in January at Willowa, and we had an, a good amount of friends come see us just from the other bands we were in. Um, but also we were targeted and we invited um, promoters out and other people that we knew we wanted to work with and the reception at that show was good and it kind of led to the next show and the next show so that's kind of how it's been happening it like snowballed throughout the winter where we we only had plans of playing once a month maybe every other month but at this point we've played so many shows I've lost count um, I don't know how many shows we played since January um and it's been some cool shows like we got to play the denina center for arctic comic con that was pretty sweet um we got to open for astoria state um that was a band there when, uh, i think two of their members are in the red jumpsuit apparatus um pretty big international band uh, but yeah then our last gig most recent one was uh Willowa again, that was Taking Back Sunday and Mayday Parade. Um, we got to play between the bands inside on the second stage. So like we played and then Mayday Parade played outside. And then we played on inside while Taking Back Sunday was getting ready and then Taking Back Sunday played. So it was pretty cool. Um, and I think I'm already forgetting your initial question because I've been so chatty, but no that was perfect just wanted to hear a little bit about how it's gone with you guys starting to get out there and play shows and and stuff so that that was the perfect answer actually to that question okay <laughs> you've mentioned um you know the other bands that you were in and the and the members were in as well but i know you have a long history in anchorage of being in the in the music scene because i remember actually being a promoter on a show when you were like in high school yeah, um, yeah. with a great little punk band called Sherman Steadfast that I love. Um, yeah. But if you would let listeners know kind of where have you been involved? What are the other projects that you've been a part of? Um, kind of your 
your musical history here in the Anchorage scene? Yeah, well, like I said, um, I really started in probably the summer of 1999. Uh, I looked at my guitar in a new way. <clears throat> um, I think I had electric guitar at that point. Um, I convinced my parents that I uh, should not go back to Bartlett, even though I had only gone there for a month. I just didn't like it. So they put me in a private school in the fall of 99. And I think that's probably the nexus, other than Columbine, that's the nexus that really got me on this trajectory, I think. So I get to the private, um, private Christian high school and uh, meet a couple people there that became like best friends, lifelong friends. And uh, one of them being a guy named Michael Sheldon. And he'd been in a band and he had just moved to Alaska too. So that we had this like both, ah, we're new to Alaska and we don't necessarily like it vibes going on. Um, and then, you know, he was like, man, I'd like to have a band up here. I had a pretty cool band down in, in Oregon. And I was like, oh yeah, I know how to play guitar, but I didn't. And uh, that that's how I got my band life started. So I think I was 10th grade, um, started my first band. We were doing kind of alternative rock and um, played with those guys for three or four years. Um, we ended up getting a record deal from a, uh, it was an independent label down in Orange County, California. And I thought I was going to be a rock star, like for the rest of my life, I was convinced, you know, they started putting, um, they made a web page for us on MTV.com and had a bio for us and, we're ready for our music videos and stuff. And I was like, I'm gonna be so famous. I'm gonna never need to pay for dinner again because people are gonna give me free food and all that stuff. But uh, obviously that didn't work out. Uh, I think life had other plans for me and I ended up staying in Alaska and they moved away. Um, it was a hard split for me personally and emotionally and I, took a step out of the music scene for probably five years. And then at some point um, I needed to move on. And I think part of my moving on was getting back to music. So um, in the late 2000s, I'd say like 2007-ish, um, I decided, all right, I'm gonna put my own band together and I'm gonna be the singer and I'm gonna be in charge. and. <laughs> give the orders and it's going to be awesome and I'm going to get famous again and blah, 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 blah. Um, so I started a band called Sky is Falling and it was a pop punk trio. Um, found some members that were more skilled than me, which is kind of like the key of the game. Um, and we did pretty good for a couple of years. Um, that band fizzled out and then I started another band, um, this time with people that were kind of friends before just musicians that were filling a role. Um, so I tried a different approach there and ended up starting a band called Ships Without Harbor uh, that became very important to me, like emotionally, I'd say spiritually as well. Um, and that band had a good run for four or five years. And then, uh, you know, I did acoustic stuff after that band fizzled out. And acoustic stuff kept me busy for the five years, another break, uh, until Rival Dads really got gigging. Um, so I kind of have changed my approach a couple times 
over the years and then also changed like, all right, am I going to do rock or am I going to do singer songwriter stuff? You know, songs that I would sing to my kids to try to get them to go to sleep at night. And uh, I think that's kind of helped keep me fresh a little bit and from going stale. And then I always seem to come back to pop punk and emo stuff though. Like that's my, I think it's in my blood. I know you've been involved in the scene in other ways too. You were DJ you mentioned and promoter and I know kind of um, cheerleader for <laughs> local music. So could you yeah. fill folks in on, on those roles as well? Yeah. Yeah. So um, DJ, I was a radio DJ for 94, seven um, Casey and D for about seven years. And the actual years are becoming fuzzy, maybe 2012, 2019, I think right in there. Um, and you said promoter as well. I did promote a lot of shows um, in the all ages scene. That's really where my passion is, is um, I, you know, I think about when did I fall in love with music in a different way? And that was like, like post Columbine, I needed something to grab onto that wasn't like coming straight from my parents. And I found that through music. So I think about shows like access to shows, you know, it's like, I want people that aren't of age to go to bars to have access to live music because it can inspire you. Um, and there, maybe there's somebody to show who comes and see something and then they're inspired like, man, I've got that guitar and I've never really thought about using it in this way. Or I think you get where I'm going with that. Um, but I did promote for all ages shows for a while. It's kind of a dry scene right now. Like there's not really places to go or venues to use that are cost effective. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but I kind of think, I don't know if you remember this term that oh, I think Obama used it in one of his um, campaigns as like a community organizer. I kind of put myself in that category in that like, I didn't have a promoter's license, so I couldn't do like pre-ticketed events. Um, I didn't have any like radio training, but I knew so much about the local scene that they like kind of headhunted me and were like, can you, can you take over this show that we need somebody to do? Um, so I, I just, I network, I listen, I read, I watch, I care. And that, sets the table for some cool opportunities. So that's kind of how these other things have grown. Um, I mentioned music punks. It's kind of in a quieter period now, but that's that Facebook group of people from around the state. And I didn't start that group, but I was the one who was asking a question. I think it was like every Wednesday, I would post a question in that group. And it was like, um, you know, how do you, try to book shows or what's your band's practice schedule or what do you do when you're having a argument with a member? You know, I would be the one to try like steer us collectively towards like, let's make us all better by talking about these things. Uh, why do you take a gig that there's no pay, you know, like try to organize us collectively. And um, again, that I think is just something that put me in a unique position in the music scene to support people, encourage people, provide guidance to, um, to new people who are coming into the scene. Um, 
and once again, I've gotten so chatty. I don't remember your question. <laughs> no, once again, you did just fine. I was just asking about other roles you've played other than being on stage kind of in the, in the music scene. So on this podcast, the main thing that we're trying to do, like our little mission statement, so to speak, is to connect with Anchorage's soul through her history, stories, and people. And um, the question I guess I have for you is like, what stories are you telling with your music? Is there a story that rival dads, like if you think about it, like what are some themes that run through kind of what you guys are, are about? Yeah, good question. I just realized um, I'm drinking Rockstar because I'm tired and it's so early. And that was like a perfect commercial if I was sponsored. But your listeners probably don't have video, but. No, unfortunately. But yes, he is actually drinking a Rockstar. It's true. <laughs> Local Rockstar drinks Rockstar. Looking for oh, an endorsement. That's funny. Um, okay. So Rival Dad's. Um, just to give you a little bit more of the foundation, I guess, um, when we started in early 2020, uh, at our jam spot, we were writing originals and it, it became pretty slow going, partly I'd say, cause of the pandemic. And then you know, at some point we, we did pause and we're like, ah, guys, all right, there's a vaccine now and those kind of things. Um, uh, and then our employers too, um, you know, one is military and have to be like, Hey guys, I can't be exposed if you guys were around anybody. So we got to cancel practice, those kind of things. Um, and so writing originals became really hard and, um, the dad life too, you know, it's like, Hey, I coach my son's, uh, uh, baseball team and another one likes to go camping a lot in the summer, that kind of stuff. Um, so around the time we saw the Foo Fighters and we were like, man, we got to get this on stage because I think we've got something special here. We don't suck. Um, let's just get on stage. And so to fill our set, we decided to do a bunch of covers. So, um, you know, covers that were relevant to us. So it's not like the, uh, you know, it's not the Pearl Jam. It's... Uh, not the 80s and 90s stuff that you hear in most bars. Um, to us, it was the stuff we grew up loving in our formative years, so junior high, high school. So for us, that was pop punk and emo. So we filled in covers. I think originally um, Rise Against, um, Sum 41, Newfound Glory, Blink-182, um, Senses Fail. Uh, we were picking songs that we liked, and it wasn't necessarily like the radio popular songs, because um, musicians, we had like a different ear, I think, maybe than the masses. So we picked the songs that were either more fun to play or more challenging or like more technical. And and uh, so that's where we really started. Um, we've filled in our set with a couple more originals now, but if you go to a rival dad show now, you're still gonna get a healthy dose of covers. I'd say from spanning the year 2000, 2010, probably is the decade that we're, we're covering more than anything else. Um, and what do we sing about? What do we care about? Um, you know, with our covers, it's a lot of uh, that emotional stuff. Like there's the heartache, there's the songs about girls. Um, there's also the songs about uh, death. There's also like nonsensical what does this even mean? I don't know, but I loved this guitar riff when I was 16 years old songs. Um, uh, our originals are really in the creative control of our singer. 
Um, so I don't know that collectively we have a, like a chosen theme or destination for the band. Um, the originals that we have, I'd say are uh, emo love songs about girls or maybe could even be interpreted differently, I guess. I haven't even asked him, so <laughs> could be. Love songs, we'll say that, love songs. That's good. That's a good place to land. Love songs. Yeah. We yeah. need more love. We need more love in the world. That's that's a good thing. Yeah. So after being in the music scene here in Anchorage for over 20 years, over 25 years, I guess. Um, what what does the scene in Anchorage kind of tell us about the city? Is there something you've picked out? Like, is there a spirit that you kind of pick out of this scene that you're like, oh yeah, that says something about Anchorage or about the people that either are part of the scene or are fans of the scene kind of come out to shows what what does the music scene in anchorage tell us about the city hmm that's a great question um and i'm just gonna shoot from the hip so this isn't like a well thought out response um you know the 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 music scene in anchorage i think for the most of the time i've been in it has felt um like there's a couple worlds going on um like in the full band scene it's really felt like a metal scene like that's where most of the full bands are kind of in that metal spectrum and that's ebbed and flowed since the late 90s um but i've attested that to alaska for a good part of the years, you know, it's cold and dark and tough and people need a way to, to let out some uh, rage or emotion and, and just get out of their headspace. And metal is pretty good for that, I think. Um, and then for a good period of time, metal was where more fans were coming out. So like, you know, if you go to a metal show and you see, man, this room is packed, and then uh, you go to an indie show and you're like, man, there's seven people here that kind of draws musicians that direction, I think, too. So people are emulating other bands that are popular. 36 Crazy Fists ushered in, I think, a big area, too, of people looking up to, oh, metal, that's what we want to do. We're going to get on that path and so on. Um, at the same time, there's been another world happening, and that's that like indie folk uh, singer-songwriter type stuff. And... I think Alaska's, you know, well-known, at least here. Um, we have some well-known artists that fit that genre pretty well. Um, you know, it's the Matt Hoppers, the Emma Hills, the Jared Woods, Militia uh, Mitchells, the Medium Build, um, you know, Carpenter and what he's been doing the last couple of years. So I think that world has kind of been going on the, the whole time as well. Um, I like jumping between the two worlds personally myself and knowing what's going on in both of the worlds um because i think it it is easy for a fan of music to follow let's say one promoter they like or one instagram account that they they like because they know that's the one that gives them the uh, hip-hop shows that they like or the dj shows that they like um but I personally find value in music in general. So like different forms of art, give, give it to me in different mediums. Like I'll love the show where there's like a projection and that's part of 
the experience is like I'm watching something unfold on a projection while I'm listening to the music. And then I also love the stuff where I go and it's like three people and a guitar, uh, bass drums, and they're just doing their thing, you know? Um, so I don't know that the general fan in Anchorage has that same approach. Um, but I guess if I could like impart something on people, it would hopefully be that to like round out your input. Don't, don't take it all from one promoter, one silo, one venue. Um, or if you have a friend who knows a lot about local music, like don't take it all from them. Even myself, like I'm aware, like don't take it all from me because I, I don't have my hand on everything, even though I try. It seems like fitting advice in a pretty diverse city with with a bunch of different things going on musically and otherwise, like try to try to move around, try to be in different pockets and different things. Yeah. Yeah. If people want to follow rival dads, how should they do that? Where, where can they, uh, where can they like you and follow and subscribe and all that kind of stuff? <clears throat> yeah. So we have um, Facebook and Instagram, I think are the two we're running right now. So Instagram it's rival dads music. I think somebody else had the name, not a band, but just some random person had the name Rival Dad. So we got super creative here and went Rival Dad's music on Instagram. Um, it's a fun follow, I think. Uh, we post some videos and clips from practice that you might not see on our other page. Um, so Facebook, we're also there. And that is just Rival Dad's. So if you search Rival Dad's, we should come up there and... Uh, yeah, that presence has been growing maybe a little faster than we thought we would too, um, but we're okay with that. And uh, that's a good way to be connected to upcoming shows. Um, if you want to see uh, our bass player do kick flips while he's playing the bass at practice, like we've got a video for that and it's on there. So go check it out. I know I've checked out a few videos, so yeah. <laughs> I, can, I can give a, unsolicited testimonial that it is a good follow there's a lot of stuff on there yeah so the last question that i always ask interview guests is is there a self-care or mindfulness or spiritual practice that you do that keeps you centered um, in your life hmm. i think i mean of course there is i think some of them might be um ones that i don't even know I'm doing. Uh, so if there's ones I could acknowledge, I think listening to music to me can be a spiritually centering thing. Um, kind of depends on what mood I'm in, depends on what I'm listening to uh, as well. But that's a big thing. Um, for me, I spend a lot of time in reflection and kind of a constant state of what am I doing? And where am I going? And what have I not done? And, um, you know, I think that's a thin line because sometimes that gets me in anxiety mode too. So then maybe I crank the music up a little louder to get me out of that mode. Uh, but I don't have a prescription that I work from. You know, some days it's listening to music. Some days it's um, visiting with one of my my good friends in person and hugging them and saying like, man, I love you. How are things going? Where, what have you been up to? How's that new job going? Um, sometimes it's, I'm looking out my front 
window right now. Sometimes it's mowing my lawn and like the vibration of the lawnmower gets my brain thinking about certain things. And, and uh, I find calmness or get centered in that way. So I don't know. I think as a dad, you kind of have to be adaptable uh, to what's happening around you in life in general. So maybe if I can tie it back to the dad point, especially tomorrow's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to you, Joel, by the way. I just thought of that. Um, you too. Yeah, thanks. So it varies or it depends. So <laughs> for a big, long non-answer for you, it depends. No, I think your answer is in line with um, Parker Palmer, the Quaker thinker, says that, um, you know, contemplation doesn't have to be any one thing. It can be anything that breaks through the illusion and gets you in touch with the real. And I think I think that's the answer you just gave. It can, be, it can look like a whole bunch of things, listening to music or being, you know, reflective or mowing your lawn. Like yeah. they can all be things that help center you for sure. What was the name of the author you just said? Uh, Parker Palmer. Parker Palmer. Okay, I'll look him up. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for chatting with us about Rival Dads and the Anchorage music scene. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. Um, it's one of those things that, uh, you know, I always enjoy talking with you. It's been a little bit too long, and that's probably my fault because uh, I keep pretty busy. But um, I love the scene. I love how music can change people's lives or give them an avenue um, to speak about their own life or work through some things in their own life. Um, I always say to my, my friends and people I meet that, that ask me, you know, why do you do music? It's, for me, it's, it's really cheap therapy. Um, but then I'm reminded how much the guitars that I want cost. I'm like, okay, this is really expensive therapy, but music at its core to me is, is therapeutic. It really is. Yeah, I agree. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks, Joel. And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions loving you just once yeah so uh my name's holly um i go by hollis Bryan now in the music world um that's been kind of a newer thing in the last year or so but yeah so i know you do a number of different things musically (laughs) (laughs) always working um Do you uh, let listeners know what projects are you a part of at this point in time? Right now. So I've got, like you said, a few different things going on. Um, I work on my own solo music under Hollis Bryan. Um, I'm currently working on writing and putting together my first EP um, so that I can release that eventually. Um, I also do, um, some co-writing and some backup vocals for a rapper named Savage Black. Um, he just moved to Vegas, so I'm going to be doing some traveling to continue working on his projects. And, um, that's been really, really fun. He's very talented. Um, I'm also, I have my own band, uh, that's just made up of a bunch of great, great guys. Uh, we're called Hard Candy. 
So we do like R&B, soul, blues music. Um, and we've been gigging around quite a bit in that band. And then I recently also joined uh, Medium Build and I do vocals for them, like backup vocals um, behind their lead singer, Nick Carpenter. So that's been incredibly fun. We've had some super fun gigs. <laughs> yeah. So how did some of those projects come about? How did you find yourself involved in all these different ways uh, in music and Anchorage? I think that it's funny because like when I started, <laughs> I didn't know anybody really like in the music world. Um, the nice thing about Anchorage is that it's even though it's a big city, air quotes, but big city, um, the music community is pretty close knit. So once I kind of met, like I moved in next to somebody, um, her name's Sarah Anderholm, who's very connected to the music scene. And she just started inviting me to things. She invited me to a songwriters group. She um, encouraged me to go to like open mic nights and things like that. Um, and through that, really, that's where it got started. Is I started doing open mic nights at Vans. Um, and that's where I met my guitarist, Jonathan Hainan. Um, so him and I have been playing together for like three years now, almost, or probably, yeah, three years now, I, I would say. And um, we kind of just did like a duo project forever. And then I started writing music about a year after that and decided I wanted to do solo work. Um, so I've really been working on that for about two years now. Um, just trying to become like songwriting is difficult and there's so many intricacies and there's so many different ways you can go. There's so much to learn. Um, but through, so <laughs> it's all linked together. This is probably like a, just a very long response, but through my, through knowing Jonathan and doing our duo stuff, which was called the Sunday nights um, that we don't do as often anymore. We um, were gigging around at like coffee shops and essentially it was in the beginning. So I was getting paid like in like coffee cards, like they would pay us in coffee cards, uh, which is great. I love coffee. <laughs> um, but I did, we did a gig at, where was that? Cafe Diarte, I think on Diamond. Um, or no, that's one was Uncle Leroy's and uh, Nick Carpenter came in to work on some stuff and heard us and heard me singing and like I had met him before but he'd never heard me sing didn't know that I was interested in doing music and that's where our friendship and um music journey started was from there because he was like I really think that you know we could work together I love your voice um and so I essentially then started asking him for help on writing music because he's incredible, incredible songwriter. Um, so he's really helped with that. And then <clears throat> working with Savage Black came out of me doing karaoke, actually. <laughs> uh, I was doing karaoke and um, he just heard me singing and like pulled me aside and was like, hey, I have been looking for a vocalist for my tracks. I really think you'd be a good fit. Um, and I was like, okay, random stranger, like, sounds great. Um, so I asked him to send me his music and he did, and it was incredible. And so we started working together pretty quickly. Um, and then I think just once I decided that I wanted to do music professionally, um, 
was really about six months ago. Um, and since then, I've just kind of been in the grind and the hustle, trying to gig and do things like that. And I also then have more time and more flexibility to gig because I've cre- just created a better schedule for that. So um, Nick and I had talked again recently um, and I said, hey, like I, I'm available to do backup vocals if you still want those because he had uh, he'd wanted me to do that in the beginning and that was before COVID and then COVID hit and everything got canceled but um yeah so I just started performing with them more steadily um which has been amazing and then Hard Candy kind of just came out of like Jonathan and I had been doing our duo stuff for a while um And we really were like, we want to do bigger gigs. We want to do more music. We want to do a different style of music. And we decided we wanted to have a full band. Um, And so we have kind of, we had entertained a few, a few different musicians in the group. And then um, we just found a really good fit with Josh Lulo, who now plays bass for us. And then James Daggett, who plays percussion and drums. Sometimes we also have Nate Kane um, on guitar, who also plays guitar for Medium Built. But so I just I love R&B music. I love soul music. I love blues music. And that's just the direction I wanted to go with a full band, um, which is not necessarily what John and I were doing before. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of the spider web of how things got to where they are right now. Um, and then I also, um, you know, I've been, you know, entering competitions and things like that and um, just singing as much as I can. And I was very, very um, grateful to have won a competition recently um, that put me on the map to open up for Darius Rucker. So I'll be doing that at the end of the month. So that's another project I'm working on currently is getting that all set up so that I can perform for Darius and not have a panic attack on stage. <laughs> yeah. You've been out there hustling and, and gigging over the last six months or so and trying to do this professionally. Like, where have you yeah. been playing? And talked a little bit about opening up for Darius Rucker. Maybe talk about like, what was the contest? And then like, what are the details if people want to see you at that show? Yeah. Um, so I can talk about that first. So, um, the contest was called Jameson unplugged. They held it down at the broken blender downtown. Um, and there were so many talented musicians that entered. Um, and so I, and I did it on a whim, like somebody, (laughs) somebody sent it to me, I think the day before. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like I, I was going through a really hard time at the time and I was just trying to focus on music. So I decided to do it. Um, So that was multiple weeks of us coming to the broken blender and competing. Um, And then after those multiple weeks, it came down to, I think top five. Um, And so there was another gentleman who also, there was like two winners. So he was like the primary winner. So he got to choose who he wanted to open up for. It was either Darius Rucker or Milky Chance. Um, so he chose Milky Chance and nobody knew they were going to pick a second winner. <laughs> so that was like shocking. Um, and so I got the second winner and I got to open up for Darius. That'll be on June 29th. It's going to be in the Chinook parking lot, which is where they hold, um, 
like the summer markets, those big Saturday markets downtown. Um, it's right across from 49th state and, um, it'll be an outdoor thing. It's called wagon wheel Wednesday because Darius rocker. Um, and it's, um, yeah, that'll be at four 30 on the 29th of June is when I go on. So Darius has quite a few openers. It'll be me. I know Cassidy hope is another one of the openers. And then there's two other country artists that I don't think I, I don't remember what their names are, um, but also very talented. I looked them up. They're great. Um, and then I think Darius goes on at like eight 30. So there's like four hours of openers and then Darius goes on. Um, for where I play around town, honestly, it's pretty vast. Uh, like I said, I started at like coffee shops and at Vans Dive Bar doing open mics. Now um, I do play at Vans a lot still um, with the full band and I do solo stuff there as well. Um, I've We've played the Carousel. We've played at Humpy's. Um, I've done some solo things like at the Eagle River Nature Center. I recently played Inlet Clubhouse um, with Medium Build. We, I, I've done, I've played at Willowa too, um, with, as the Sunday nights with John and I, and then as solo, and then um, with Medium Build, we just recently had a big gig there, opening up for Young the Giant. Um, that was super super fun. Um, I also have started kind of expanding outside of Anchorage, so. Um, tomorrow, um, so tonight I've got one at Vans. Tomorrow I'll be in Seward at the Yukon Bar. Uh, last week I was in Naknek. Uh, they flew me out to perform out there. So that's in the Bristol Bay area um, at the Red Dog Bar there. And I know there's more. <laughs> Literally, I can't, I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard to keep track sometimes how many different places. Oh, Anchorage Brewing Company is a new place that I'm gigging at pretty regularly solo with my full band and then also doing backup vocals for medium build. Um, we've got one in Homer with medium build coming up. We've got one in McCarthy with medium build coming up. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's all the ones I can think of off the top of my head. <laughs> well, it's a pretty good cross section of where they're, you know, what the places are to play in Anchorage. So yeah. if folks are looking, find you they can find you because <laughs> you're playing lots of different places for sure they can find me yes <laughs> so before you were a part of the anchorage music scene and, and doing what you're doing now have you always been involved with music did you like grow up playing or is this a relatively new thing for you um yeah i mean i have always loved music i like since i was little uh, my dad's a musician uh, my mom's into music they always chose to do things like uh, music lessons and we always had instruments in the house my dad was always in a band um so I was really I was really lucky to like grow up in that sort of environment where my dad was like in the band in the garage every single weekend and we could just hang out and listen to them um I've always been into music I knew from a really young age that I wanted to be a singer um, so I kind of started, I was self-taught for a very long time. Um, and then fast forward to my first year of college, I went to college for music for my first year. Um, don't mind the airplane going over, sorry. <laughs> um, I went to college for a year, but I found that the college, the college environment for music was like very, sti felt very stifling for me. 
Um, I don't know a ton, like everything for me has been mostly self-taught until I was like a junior, senior in high school is when I started learning about like music theory. Um, when I first got my, my, got my first vocal teacher, I had so many bad habits. Like it was really, there was a lot of work that I needed to do vocally. Um, but yeah, I, I really wanted to do music, but I think that, you know, the overwhelmingness of like life and like the things that you have to achieve, quote unquote, um, and like having a job and paying bills and making sure you have healthcare and all those things. Like for a long time, I just kind of talked myself out of it. There was a lot of self-doubt in there. There was a lot of like, I don't think I'm good enough. There's so many people in the world that are so good at this. Right. Um, and I didn't feel like I had the resources and where I was going to school too. Like I, small town, Wyoming, like that didn't seem like nobody talked about music as a profession. People talked about going to college and, you know, getting a nine to five and like settling down and having a family and staying kind of in one spot. And I, I just, I don't know. I just kind of let the self-doubt get the better of me. Um, and so after a year of music school, I changed my major, um, went back, uh, finished school for a completely different and unrelated major. <laughs> um, and then I, I had kind of set, I made up my mind essentially that I wasn't going to pursue it anymore. Um, it was kind of sad. Like I didn't feel like I was good enough and I just felt like, oh, I need to fit into this box that everybody's talking about this, this nine to five, do your, like, do your stuff, like get married, do all these things. Um, turns out I don't fit into that box. <laughs> I just, I just don't Lord. I Lord knows I tried. I don't, I don't fit into the box. And then once I got up to Anchorage, like I moved up to Anchorage after I graduated college and I moved in next to a professional musician who really just opened my eyes to the fact that it is possible. Um, and that, and then I just, I don't know, I was so lucky to meet people through her and just through the scene that were so encouraging and really loved, you know, my voice and really felt like there was something there. And so it kind of just reignited that spark that I was like, okay, like, I just want to at least get back into it. I want to at least go to open mic nights. I kind of want to write some music. And then I don't know, man, it just took off. Like <laughs> after, after I started, um, after I started doing all these things, it just kind of took off. So yeah. on this podcast, we talk about um, wanting to connect with Anchorage's soul through histories, stories, and people. So I wonder, what are the stories that you're trying to tell through your music? Is there a theme or themes that you kind of keep coming back around, stories that you kind of keep telling in different ways? I think for me, um, like if you look on my um, Instagram, right, like my, my byline that it says on there is like, I write sad boy jams and cry a lot which is absolutely true. <laughs> absolutely true. I think like, I am really interested in delving into like unmasking how hard life is. Like 
life can just be really freaking hard. And I feel like a lot of people, myself included, sometimes we just mask that and we don't really delve into it and we don't really connect with each other on that because it's scary to talk about like, it's scary to talk about the hard things. Um, It's scary to feel those things. And so for me, I would say a lot of my writing is like delving into things like mental health, delving into things like self-love, delving into how difficult relationships are and how hard it is to get through that afterwards. Um, And I really um, also... um, I talk a little bit about substance abuse in my, in my music as well, because it's something I've struggled with. I know other people struggle with that, but it's also this like very like stigmatized topic. Um, and so I, I don't know, like I, I I don't aim to just write sad music. Like I don't aim to be a downer, but I do think it is really, really important to shine a light in the dark spaces in our souls. And it like, there's this saying that people say, like, you're only as sick as your secrets, right? And so like, if we're able to have open conversations and just like get a little more in touch with like what's really going on and be able to accept that and see that in other people as well, I just think that life might be a little bit easier, just like a little bit. (laughs) And we feel like we can connect with people. So that's really where I'm at, like with what I'm writing about now is just being very vulnerable and honest about what I go through, what I have gone through um, and hoping that I can connect with people and talk with other people who are also going through those things. Yeah. I love that. I love the writing <laughs> reality of life. That's a good yeah. way to approach yeah. things for sure. Yeah. So you've been part of the Anchorage scene for a while. Um, is there yeah. is there something you can think about of, around, like, what does the Anchorage music scene tell us about the city in general? Does it tell us anything about what this mm-hmm. place is, what Anchorage is? Man, that is a great question. What does the music scene say about our community? I think what I've kind of noticed is that Anchorage has a lot of life in it. Like we have a lot of life, a lot of passion, a lot of love. Um, But then on top of that, like we also have a lot of like, I don't want to necessarily use the word like brokenness, but there's also a lot of struggle here. I think that um, in, in the people, like people, and it's people everywhere. I think it's just what it's shown me is that all the other musicians I've talked with and like been very lucky to know, um, I think we're all getting to a place where we're talking about that struggle and we're talking about life and like coming together a little bit more as a community and being able to just be more vulnerable together. Like, I think that's what I've seen. I obviously have not been here super long. Like there are musicians that have been here for decades who know 10 times more than I know. But what I've seen is really like a group of people who's willing to support each other. Um, 
I would not be where I am today without like the support of fellow musicians here. Um, I have received so, so much love, so much encouragement, so much, even just like quantifiable time, like the time that people have put in (laughs) to help me on my journey, even though they have their own journeys. Like I really feel like the Anchorage community has just shown that people care. Like people care. And that's not something that I really had seen before or felt before, or maybe I wasn't open to feeling that before, but like, that's what I see about the Anchorage community is like people care and everybody for the most part, like there's outliers, but I feel like everybody just wants to lift everybody up. I think I might, (laughs) I don't know if I got off topic at all. I might have. No, I think it was a great answer. And I, I, I like the idea of there's a lot of energy in life, but there's also the reality of life in the middle of that. And that yeah. folks are trying to help each other through that. I think it's a beautiful picture of how yeah. at least part of our community operates. So I love yeah. that. Yeah, for sure. So if people want to follow um, your many projects that you're working on, how would they go about doing that on social media or, or on, the, on the internet? Where can they yeah. find you and your projects? So... <laughs> the spider web is deep here <laughs> but for um for me specifically um people can follow me on instagram um i'm still trying to branch out my social media world um i don't know very much about it i'm not very good at it but to find the like most of my gigs most of my information is on my instagram so that's at hollis h-o-l-l-i-s underscore brian b-r-y-a-n underscore they made me put two underscores in there because apparently it wasn't available um and so that's (laughs) that's on instagram um then for medium build stuff you can follow medium build on instagram as well and it's just at medium build um I think that Jonathan still runs our, the Sunday nights Instagram, um, which he'll post some stuff on there. We just haven't changed the name again to hard candy. Um, cause we were under the Sunday nights. And so, um, that's just at the Sunday nights. Um, so you can follow all three of those things. I'm also <laughs> dabbling in TikTok. <laughs> dabbling in TikTok so that I can like promote things and like I put music on there I put videos of like my music on there um I also put videos of my music on Instagram I do have a SoundCloud so if you look up Hollis Bryan on SoundCloud um I just have one song on there right now I plan to release more um and then eventually the goal is to put things on Spotify but I and like Apple Music and things like that I just haven't quite reached that spot in my life yet um but yeah just following at least Hollis Bryan medium build in the Sunday nights people should be able to know like when my next gigs are I've been a lot better in the last like three months about posting um and giving people enough time to actually (laughs) get there because before it'd be like day of two hours before (laughs) be like oh I got a gig in two hours and then nobody would show up and I'd be like why didn't (laughs) why didn't anyone show up oh (laughs) um yeah so that's probably the best spot um people can also email me I have a specific email like if people are wanting to book gigs or find out any more information um so it's just at or it's hollis brian music at gmail.com. 
but I would say Instagram is probably the place that I'm on, on the most at this point. Yeah. So the final question that I always ask anybody that we interview is, do you have a, a spiritual or mindfulness or self-care practice that you do that helps keep you centered in the middle of all that you're doing? Uh, yeah, I, I do. Um, it changes, it changes as I change. It changes as life changes. Um, there's a couple different things. I think the biggest thing for me is like, I need to center myself before I go on stage. Um, I need to center myself before I have big musical interactions or any sort of in, in like performance. And so like to do that, I have to be alone. <laughs> it has to be quiet. <laughs> um, and then I kind of like meditate. Um, I meditate a lot, actually. Um, I am somebody who really struggles with being overwhelmed by life itself. So meditation really helps center me. Um, I also have different phrases that I use and they're, I mean, I, I, I encourage somebody asked me this recently too. They were like, I'm really trying to get over stage fright. Like, what do I do? <laughs> um, and so for me, I'm somebody who comes from having used to having like horrible stage fright and I had to put in a lot of work and do a lot of like meditation therapy things like that to get over it um but I use like words of affirmation or like little phrases um to just center myself and get into that spot where I can walk on stage um I know that for a while and this is like an example of it changing for a while it was like I would almost try and just like become another person. Like, just like, cause I was so anxious. I was like, I'm so anxious. Like I cannot. So it was almost like I would just try and shut everything off and like um, take on this different persona. Like this person is not afraid of, this person is not afraid of. Um, but now it's, it's really just like having that quiet time doing meditation, separating myself from everybody so that I can feel centered once I get on stage. Um, and then <laughs> my friends will always joke about too, like how much water I drink <laughs> and how much tea I drink. Like that's a physical preparation <laughs> that I do, um, just to make sure that I'm, you know, hydrated and doing okay <laughs> before I go on. Uh, but yeah, spiritually, I would say that I just connect in that quiet space and some like, I don't know, that's the hard thing to explain to people or like, I've never really tried to explain that to anybody before, but it's really about just being quiet and being on my own and getting in touch with who I am and why I'm doing what I'm doing before I go on. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. And thank you for being willing to be interviewed on the podcast. It's been great to hear more about the kind of, your journey in the music scene here in Anchorage. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It's a huge honor. I really appreciate it. Songs are one way to hear the stories of Anchorage. I hope you get out and hear some good music this summer. My thanks to Hollis Bryan and Andy Ball for joining me on this episode. 
Until next time, I'm Joel Kiekenfeld. Be good out there. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchored City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Lettner.